Hi everyone, this is Jeff. And this is Russ. When we first started Home on the RNG, we began it as a series of videos, and we produced quite a few before we realized it really works better as a podcast. Whoops-a-doodle. So we apologize if any of these early episodes have any visually heavy references that don't transfer to the audio medium. Whoops-a-doodle. Thanks for listening. game this time we played a game this time we we did play a game this time <laughs> uh russ picked a game for us it's actually unique in a couple of ways for this series it is uh first of all it's not a jrpg and i didn't even know that i thought i was just picking another jrpg uh, and that the, did not happen research here now according to wikipedia so if this is incorrect it is not my fault uh, this is the only game developed by Square Designers in America. And that's true, yeah. It came out in 1995. Uh, this is The Secret of Evermore. It is say The, name the Secret point. of Evermore. It's also less RPG-ish in some ways, because I'd say it's more of an action RPG hybrid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but we can get into all of that later. First, I think we should go ahead and talk about our personal history. <laughs> most games um, on this list that we've done. I don't actually own this one. I, I never owned this one when I was a kid. Um, I played it. I rented it from a local video store and played it, but never owned it. Um, I was one of those kids that was kind of disappointed that it wasn't Secret of Mana 2. Um, so I didn't beat it until I was an adult, and I didn't really have an appreciation for it um, until I was an adult. But now, you know, now I really like it, and I'm glad we um, are getting to review it for this series. I have about this much experience with the game. Uh, I rented it once as a kid. I don't think I even came halfway close to beating it. Uh, I think I was also looking for Secret of Mana 2, because I really enjoyed Secret of Mana when I was a kid. Um, that's really all I've got. It was, it was very different. From what I was expecting, I got stuck at a certain point and couldn't figure out how to progress. And then I didn't think about the game again until Russ suggested we review it for this. So, here we are! So, uh, we have the plot synopses here that I've written, and for some reason Russ always gets quite a <laughs> giggle out of these. Although, I think the Chrono Trigger one's always going to be his favorite. An it will always be a It's fun hearing yes. a brief synopsis of almost any JRPG because they're so absurd. So. A kid and his dog stumble into a deserted building and get accidentally teleported into another time period. They must go on a grand adventure through time to find their way home. As the game continues, you realize they aren't actually traveling through time, but instead, something far more sinister is going on. Mwahahaha. <laughs> Indeed. 
So uh, that's the the basic premise is a kid in is it the fifties sixties. No, it's the nineties. The nineties. The kid. The kid. I might have played a different game. Uh-oh. So a kid the kid in the 90s. looks like he's from American Graffiti, but it is actually nineteen ninety five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a kid from the nineties uh, explores an old mansion and boom, ends up in the Stone Age, and that's how your story begins. Uh, Russ, did you want to talk about the characters? I like the characters. Okay. That's, <laughs> no. I really like this game, so I'm a dog person. Um, I have a beautiful little girl named Lucy. <laughs> who is vastly inferior to my little girl okay. named Daisy. That's fine. Um, so I'm a dog person, so this game is really fun for me because in it you play as a boy and his dog. I'm also not entirely convinced you have a dog. Okay. You knew this was coming. I've been friends with you for 16 years. I've been hearing about this dog. It feels like That's 16 because she's years. very... I've never seen this dog. Well, she hasn't been alive for 16 I've years. I've been to your apartment. I've never seen a dog. You've now, seen Daisy. Now we're fighting like an old married couple again. Go on with your story. So it's about a boy and his dog. So it's a fun little fantasy adventure for me. Um, it's fun to pretend that my dog would be reliable enough to help me in some kind of adventure <laughs> and that she wouldn't just sleep through the whole thing. So in this game, I actually named my hero character Russ, which I normally don't do. And I named my dog Lucy. Um, because it was a fun, fun adventure. And all the other characters are... I actually named the dog Russ. <laughs> That's a compliment to me. If I could <laughs> yeah. be reincarnated Her as a dog, that would be adventure. wonderful. Yeah. Daisy also would not do well in one of these adventures because she would go up to the monsters and expect them to pet her. Like, that would yeah. be the extent of her uh, fighting against the forces of evil. Uh, so we're going to go ahead. Did you want to talk about any of the other characters apart from the boy and his dog? None of the other characters really left that much of an impression on me. I I mean, except for the robot butler. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, but um, you know, because it really was it really was a journey about the two of them. Yeah, the others aren't necessary. They're kind of cookie cutter RPG characters. Mm -hmm. Uh, None of them really stand out. I mean, they do a decent job, Mm -hmm. but none of them. You don't walk away going, you know, my favorite character in the whole thing. It was that that second alchemist that you had <laughs> right. in the yeah? All right, so we're going to move on to the combat system. So unlike uh, most of the games, in fact, unlike all the games we've played, this one is a very active battle system. Mm-hmm. Uh, the entire game is very clearly built on the Secret of Mana engine, so. Yeah, the game pretty much plays like Secret of Mana. Mm-hmm. So it's running around actively slashing enemies in the field, dodging their attacks in real time, building up a charge on your weapon. Your weapons get more powerful the more you use them, that sort of thing. It really is. I will say, um, at least my experience, is that it's different from Secret of Mana in the sense that the enemies, I thought, were more varied um, in terms of their attack patterns and things than they were in Secret of Mana. I feel like I had a lot more time, a lot more difficult time hitting the enemies <laughs> in this game yeah, than yeah. I did in Secret of That's Mana. I haven't, I haven't played Secret of Mana in a long time, so it's hard for me to make I know even I in need the, to replay it. Even in the, in the first world, which is like a prehistoric era with dinosaurs, those raptors <laughs> were so hard <laughs> oh, <yeah>. to hit. <laughs> uh, so magic works in this game very differently than Secret of Mana, though. Uh, magic is done by using components. It's alchemy. 
So you have to use spell components every time you want to cast a spell, and you pick up the components. They're randomly, sometimes in chests, you can buy them, or you just find them on the ground, like roots. Roots is a component. So sometimes, near plants, your dog will go, there's roots there. We'll get the roots. And that's a, that's a mechanic in the game that I liked in theory, but not as much in practice. Your dog, you can um, instruct him, basically, to sniff out ingredients for you. He can either focus on fighting, or he can sniff out the ingredients. Um, again, it's a mechanic that I that in practice isn't great, but it's Especially a neat idea. Sometimes he'll mislead you. Like, he will. You'll, you'll stop everything. The dog has found an ingredient, and, and so you'll follow the dog for a couple seconds, and the dog just goes, "Yeah, I was wrong." And then sometimes it's just a matter of of <laughs> like the the box detection yeah. on the ingredient. You just can't right. actually find the... You found the... an ingredient, but it's actually up here, or it's right. up here, yeah. or it's on the other side. And yeah. they're everywhere. Ingredients are everywhere. Yes, constantly. <laughs> uh, now, as we mentioned before, the party is a boy and his dog, not to be confused with the post-apocalyptic film. Um, and you can control either one of them that you want to, and then the other is automatically controlled. Unlike Secret of Mana, you can't do two-player where one does one and one does the other, which I think is a shame, because I think that'd be a lot of fun. You can't do two-player? No. Uh, they wanted to put it into the game, but they ran out of time. Oh. So there's not a two-player I actually never knew that. Obviously, we didn't play this together. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. Uh, although, I, I, as I think about it, it really would have been a lot of yeah. fun for us to play mm -hmm. together. Um, so that's the combat system. Very very secret of mana with a little twist on the magic. And if the human dies, I should say that. Oh, if yeah. the human dies, you lose. You the can't. dog dies, he just kind of takes a nap and, and you get one, slinks around behind you. You get one particular alchemy spell that will revive him. But as soon as the boy but runs out of hit points, game over. Game over. So you're kind of heavily preferred to play the boy. Because if you just play the dog the boy could die, and then the game's over. And the boy can't sniff out ingredients either. That's true. So. Well, you don't know. You're, you're don't in, put limits on him. You're intended to He can to do play whatever he sets his well, mind he can, to. He can, yes. Don't you put limits on that boy. Don't you stifle him. This is what we'd be like as parents. This so. is why we're not parents. Okay. Start! This game actually has a mechanic that I really like to encounter in RPGs, and it doesn't come up as often as I would like, and that is when you level up, your mm -hmm. health is refilled. Oh, yeah. That, is, that is good. I always like when that happens in a game. I think it happened in Great Greed as well. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. it's like a little bonus, like, you're deep in this dungeon. Here's a little perk. Like, hey, good right. job. Here's a little bonus. Because you can use it, you can, you can strategically use it to heal yourself before a boss, or... Well, yeah, if you particularly can, hard yeah, if area. you want to grind a little bit right. in the area. Mm -hmm. So I've always liked that. Um, and it also has something else we've talked about before. I like games that have hidden things, secret things that add to replayability. Like, ooh, I'm going to play a game, but this time I'm going to find every character. I'm going to find every spell. This one actually has a right. lot of hidden mm -hmm. spells. Mm -hmm. I didn't even come close to getting all of them. For each spell, you have to find the alchemist that will teach, teach it to you. And there's lots of hidden and alchemists. And it really, right, it really promotes exploration. And replayability, because I'm going to play it again, mm -hmm. but this time I'm going to find that missing spell that's going to make everything better. Uh, I have written down in my notes something that doesn't help me anymore, so I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to say what I've got written down in my notes, and I hope okay. to God you can help me sure. figure out certainly hidden items that boost stats in hidden ways. 
you have any idea what I meant? <laughs> I do. I do. Okay. Uh, so, there are bazaars in the game. There are, yes. They are awful. For one thing, they're on a timer. Well, no, I thought that too. They're not on a timer. So the first bazaar that you encounter, the idea is in the bazaar, your money's no good here. So there's a guy who sells rice. There's a guy who sells beads. Then there's a guy who will sell you a sword if you give him X rice and Y beads. Uh, and then if you have X swords, Y beads, and a statue of a cat from this guy over here, then you can get this item and so on. So you actually have to work out like a spreadsheet to figure out how to do all this. Now, the first town you encounter... and. Believe me, I drove myself nuts with save restore stage trying to do this. There is a timer when you first come to your first bazaar. You have something like 11 minutes before the next game-changing event happens. So you have 11 minutes to try and get everything you can out of this bazaar, and my god, I spent hours trying to make that 11 minutes work for me and get mm -hmm. everything I could. Then game events happen. Then game events happen. And then the bazaar is back open again. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I was so pissed when I found out. Like, I, 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 you do some some game events, and all the bizarre people are gone, and then later you come back, they're all there, and you can do the exact same trades and no time limit at all nice. in any future bizarre. I'm like, I spent hours trying to maximize that 11 minutes, and all I had to do was wait 30 minutes and go back and just buy stuff at my leisure. Regardless, well, that will be helpful to know for a future playthrough. <laughs> yeah, that's going to happen. Regardless of the fake time, the, the thinking there's a time limit, the bizarres are just, it's awful. You're having to keep track of, all right, this guy wants this, which costs this and this, which costs this and this, which costs this. Okay, so i got to buy 15 of these. i got to buy five of these. Mm -hmm. and work your way back up. But some of the items you can get at the bazaar do affect your stats. But there's no menu or anything that tells you that. So there's uh, an, an item, a cape, for example, that will make you harder to hit by 5%. The vendor tells you, this cape will make you harder to hit. He doesn't tell you the 5%. you got to go find the crazy internet people who research this stuff. Uh, so you go through all the trading. You get the cape. It doesn't show up in your inventory. So it's kind of a hidden item. I see, yes. Right. And at nowhere can you find the boost that it gives you, the stat boost that it actually gives you. But it gives you one. So, so it's charming. It's interesting uh, trying to get trying to level up your character in these ways without having any way of knowing what the hell right. you're doing. Uh, it's interesting. It's from a simpler time. Uh, you really have to dedicate some time to grinding if you want to level up your weapons or your mm -hmm. spells. And some of the spells you can level up, but leveling them up actually does nothing. Right. It does not increase their efficacy in any way. They do the exact same thing. And they don't tell you that. That's another reason that you want to play as the boy. Because he has he has four different types of weapons to level up. And he has mm -hmm. all the spells to level up. The dog only has his attack. one basic bite attack to level up. But dude, my favorite... The, the, the part of the game that blew me away. And I have written in my notes, dude. To make sure to say dude at this point. Dude. If I might call you dude. That's weird. You're not really a dude person. Okay. Dude. But I appreciate I appreciate that you're excited. There's a Final Fantasy IV cameo in this game. Cecil is in this game. And I don't just mean it's a guy who's named Cecil who kind of looks like Cecil. It's a blacksmith named Cecil who kind of looks like Cecil that says, Have you heard about my adventures fighting Zeromus? My wife Rosa's back at home, 
Like, it's Cecil from Final Fantasy IV randomly hanging out in Secret of Evermore. And he really took a step down if he's a blacksmith. Yeah, yeah, he's not a king anymore. He's, <laughs> he's not a, a king. He really doesn't look much like himself. I guess they tried. Yeah. And he's also kind of gruff and mean, which is not how I would picture Cecil. <laughs> but he specifically says, I'm Cecil. Have you heard about the time I fought Zeromus? You say yes. And he goes, oh, good. You're a fan of mine. Here's a free item. Uh, it's just, it's really cool. Uh, I love Final Fantasy IV, and it's, it was neat. You don't see crossovers like that very often. You don't. You don't anymore. I feel like you. We we've seen some of them. Yeah, Breath of Fire. Breath has of a Fire had one. Um, there's some other future games that we're going to be doing that have them, but that's not something you really see as often now. Is there anything else in innovations before we move on? No, I think you pretty much covered it. All right, then we're going to move on to music. of you who might have missed the last episode, we have recruited a music expert, somebody who finally knows what they're talking about, and I feel really bad that we've recruited a music expert, and then the second game we ask her to do is Secret of Evermore, because there's no music in the damn game. Is there no music? It's it's mostly ambient noise, like that's 90% there's of There's a lot game. of ambient noise. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I, I have no idea what she's going to talk about, and I feel really bad about it. So take it away, Lauren. So, as it turns out, Jeff is impervious to music. Um, when he said there's there's no music in this game, I was like, gotta be kidding me, right? I mean, Jeremy Soule is the composer. He's also the composer of Skyrim and a lot of other very well-known, very beloved soundtracks, to which he says, wait, Skyrim is music. So clearly, this is why I'm here. So um, Jeremy Soule was 20 years old when he composed the soundtrack for Secret of Evermore. So it's kind of this... Uh, uh, if you really want to feel like you have not accomplished much in your life, The Secret of Evermore soundtrack is a very good thing to look at for that because um, there is a lot of ambient noise as you're wandering around, but there's also a lot of really good, strongly composed music. So um, I also thought that Secret of Evermore was going to be Secret of Mana 2, um, which I've now played Second Intensity 3, and so I know what that actually turned out to be. Um, and I'm a huge fan of Hiroki Kikuja's soundtracks for that series, and they're very, very, very distinctive. But one thing that I really appreciate about the soundtrack for Secret of Evermore is that it doesn't try to be that. It doesn't try to match any sort of JRPG or any other composer's style, um, which is especially remarkable when you consider how, um, how young the composer was when he made it. Um, just for context, he's kind of considered one of the John Williamses of his time, so it's kind of, he's kind of a big deal. Um, and he was still kind of finding his footing, but even so, you can hear a lot of the uh, strength of his composition. Like, um, I would say as far as fan covers go and fan investment in this, the uh, two most popular songs are Fire Eyes and um, I think it's Tower of Ivory. And I've heard a number of covers on YouTube and I know um, cover musicians that are really into those tracks because they are really fantastic, but they're not the only good ones. Um, and I think one of the things that's really remarkable to me about the soundtrack in this game is that because it has all of these different settings, um, the music kind of fits each setting, and it has a more modern contemporary feel than a lot of RPGs. Um, I mean, granted, it's an action RPG, but I think you can still compare it to most RPGs, and a lot of them have like the more like orchestral, traditional fantasy sound, um, and this kind of has like a more like American contemporary feel. And I don't mean that like pop music, but um, but the sounds and the instrumentation are, I think, really fitting for the kinds of settings. 
I don't know. One of the things that always really struck me about it is the similarity of the music in the Fire, Fire Eyes part of the game versus um, Isla's section of Chrono Trigger. Um, if you listen to this, I don't know. Um, I don't know chronologically as far as the two games coming out if um, Jeremy Soul was inspired by uh, Mitsuda's composition there, but I would not be surprised because um, there's. And granted, like you kind of like got a jungle rhythm thing going on with both, but I thought that was a really interesting thing, and that really stood out to me um, playing the game. Um, but I guess I don't know. It's a really fantastic soundtrack. Um, I'm not an expert on it by any means, but I do think that it's really interesting and varied. Um, there's like almost two hours worth of music in it, so it definitely has music and ambient noise. And it's interesting because a lot of the sounds feel really real, like he did a really good job making it feel contemporary and live with it. I don't know if he did the sound design or not, but like that whole thing is very well done, but I think the music carries, so clearly somebody around here has to care about music, and I will care about music enough to make up for these guys. So thank you very much for having me here, and I guess I'll let them get back to their thing. I really enjoyed this game and I'm really glad that I chose it. Um, it held up um, much better than other games that I had a fond memory of and then turned out not to be so great, such as Breath of Fire. Um, I enjoyed the journey between the boy and his dog um, and I liked all the different time periods that you got to go to. I really did enjoy the soundtrack even though I don't know anything about music and, and like Jeff didn't even realize that there was a legitimate score to this game. Um, I liked I liked the ambient sound. Um, I think it gave kind of a melancholy to the game, which is which kind of juxtaposed the fact that that so much of the rest of it was um, kind of kooky and off the wall and kind of like a B movie. Um, so I think it, it it succeeded in a lot of areas, including story and music. Um, the gameplay was you know basically just Secret of Mana. Um, like I said before, it was a little bit harder to hit some of the enemies in this game, um, so I think that could have been improved, but overall, I, I really enjoy it. I give it an A. I definitely will play it again in the future just for fun, um, and, and, and it really gave me an appreciation for a game that I haven't even played or, or thought about in a long time. Um, so A. Secret of Evermore gets an A. I also liked Secret of Evermore, and I'm glad that Russ mentioned B-movies because it reminded me, one of my favorite elements of the game is the quirky dialogue, and in particular, the main character has a habit of referencing fictional B-movies, and I find it very charming. It, it's really right up my alley as a lover of bad movies. <laughs> I like any time that, you know, this is exactly like the time... Uh, in that movie, uh, Surf Vixen Zombies. <laughs> I don't know. There's something about that that appeals to my sense of humor. Just the random... That you could get away with making up a name like that. And like, yeah, no, that sounds like something that would have been out in the, the 70s or the 80s. Uh, so I really... And that quirky sense of humor extends to a lot of the characters and a lot of the dialogue. While the characters themselves aren't memorable, the dialogue is very well written. Uh, the story is good. I, I like the story a lot. Uh, the bazaars were awful. The bazaars are horrible. And I found the very ending of the game to be very sudden uh, and, and a little anticlimactic for it. Uh, because you're fighting your way to the final boss. 
I beat the boss without realizing it was the end boss. Because I fought my way to this guy, and then all of a sudden, after four or five big monster fights that were really hard, there's this guy with a really simple pattern. And I killed him. Wait, that was the end boss? That was it? That was the, that was the guy? And then the ending happens very abruptly. It's just, everybody goes home. Uh, so, for the bizarre and the really abrupt ending, I'm going to notch it down to an A-. minus. Because uh, it was still overall a very enjoyable experience. I don't mean to sound like I'm focusing on the negatives. Russ just focused so much on the positives that I don't have much to add there. I do agree with what he said. It's, it's very fun to play. Uh, I like the quirky dialogue. I, I like playing the game. It was, it was much better than I was expecting. Uh, because I was expecting it to be the poor man's secret of mana. And it really... It is a game, and it is a good game in its own right, and doesn't really deserve to be compared to the game that it borrowed the engine from. Uh, they're just completely separate entities. Oh man, where to begin with Secret of Evermore? I was disappointed that I couldn't play with my sister back in the day because we had uh, exhausted everything there was to do in Secret of Man, and we're looking forward to more. But I really do think if you take the game for what it is, it is it is remarkably charmingly written, which is. Which is really something, I named the main character Ted Woolsey because I was afraid that the translator Ted Woolsey would not be credited. Because he's credited in all of the other Square RPGs from, from that era. Turns out there is special thanks to T. Woolsey, so he was covered. But just in case, um, I actually felt like that was kind of an appropriate direction to take the character's name. Because it was, I don't know, it's, it's a really charming, weird game. I'm kind of sorry that Square of America did not continue making games like that. But uh, I'm glad we have it. Um, and I'm glad to know that it has its little cult following and that other people still appreciate it. Oh, I have to give it a score. Hey, yes, cool. that's right. I have to give it a score. Oh, man. God, I'm so bad at scoring things. It's a good thing I'm not a teacher. I would give it, I think, probably a solid B+. It's really good at what it is. It's not necessarily exactly what I want. But um, I am sorry that they didn't get to give it a two-player um, option, or that might be an A. But it's good enough. So, good game. Would recommend. All right, so that's Secret of Evermore. Yes, it was a great time. I had a great time. I did too. It was definitely different than uh, all the games we played up to this point. And I think that's because of the action hybrid nature. Mm -hmm. uh, it reminded me in a weird way of like indie games that we have now. I had actually thought about suggesting we do Secret of Evermore earlier on, but I wasn't sure if it would count as a JRPG for the series. So when Russ suggested it, I was actually... It doesn't I was like, all right, let's do it, let's go. Yeah, it. it doesn't have to be JRPGs. We can... Yeah, we're, we're broadening the scope. <gasps> uh, so, anyway, uh, our next episode, we are going to be reviewing not a game. Uh, not the Sailor Moon RPG? No, it is our 10th episode, so we thought we'd do something a little special. Uh, Russ, Lauren, and I are going to look back at the games we've reviewed up until this point. Uh, we'll talk about the best and the worst and the tropes, and then since we actually have a musically inclined person here, we're going to do a little something music related. So it'll be worth checking out. You're, you're making me do this so that I can relive Shining Force, aren't you? I'm going to make you love that game one way or another. No, never. I'm going to make you love it if I have to cram it into your As much as I love Arcana. <sighs> That's something we have to look forward to in the next ten games. We can't play Arcana again. We're re oh, I was going to say, you're making me replay Arcana. Yes, but only you. Okay. That, that'll be my punishment in hell. God, yes. Hell is an eternity of playing Arcana. All right. 
now that we've pissed off our crown of players enough, <laughs> uh, we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Home on the RNG is a presentation of Mad Centaur Productions. You can find Jeff on youtube.com slash centaur productions or on Twitter at Jeff Centaur. You can find Russ on Twitter at RussMac25. Lauren the Flute can be found on Twitch as Lauren the Flute. Also check out her band The Returners. Thank you for listening, and remember, it's dangerous to go alone. Take this podcast with you. Sing, I like to sing 80s theme songs while we... Go ahead. There's a time you gotta go and show you grow, and now you know about the facts, facts of life. life. The facts of life. I don't even know that one. When the world no. never seems... I can't But that's not the one life. we always do, was it? Thank you for being, being a friend. friend. You've traveled down, down the road and back again. again. Your heart is true. You're, You're a pal and a confidant. confidant. And if you threw a party, invited everyone you knew. This one's my fault. Fighting evil by moonlight, winning love by daylight, never running from a real fight. She is the one named Sailor Moon. Never turn her back on her friends. She's always there to defend. She is the one on whom we can depend. She is the one named Sailor Moon. Sailor Mercury. Sailor Venus. Oh, is it Mars? Oh, I don't remember now. I think Sailor Mercury, Sailor Mars. Sailor Mars. Sailor Venus. Sailor Jupiter. Because then it's with the powers of Jupiter. Yes. She is the one named Sailor Moon. She is the one, Sailor Moon. Yes. Yeah. All right. There you go. <laughs> so, are you alright? I'm fine. So if you were having a heart attack, I thought your heart condition was good. <laughs>